We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by one of my co-hosts this week, Mr. Andrew Mertzig. We're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. How are you doing this week? Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm good. It's always kind <laughs> of a weird feeling to be post-draft, right? Like, yeah. we do all of this preparation and get ready for it, and then it's like this incredibly fast-paced 72 hours, and then it's gone. And then, yeah. you know, of course, if people listened last week the biggest show of the year for us and i'm not there so some extenuating <laughs> circumstances and that was really sad but um you know you you and maggie did a wonderful job breaking down the first round i think you know the coverage throughout the weekend by the pack a day crew uh andy um doing the the youtube version plus adding bonus audio content like it's, it's it was cool for me to just like listen along and uh, i really enjoyed that a lot but um, I know you you have some news to share with us. So a big Packers transaction a today. A big Packers transition. Yeah, yeah, we, we're going to get to that. Uh, but we did miss having you last week. Um, that's kind of been the annual tradition that we get to talk about the first round after it happens in the chaos. And maybe a little less stressful of a first round this year than we've had in years past. But uh, yeah, so we're going to get into that a little bit more. Let you share some of your draft takes here in a few minutes. But um, you, you mentioned it. The Packers, you know. Crazy stuff happened today. I actually, this is really fun. I like this. The Packers have added defensive lineman Kenneth Odumegwu from Nigeria through the International Pathway Program. NFL teams are allowed one extra roster spot before the regular season. And if this player were not to make the 53-man roster, 
there's an extra spot allowed them on the practice squad that allows them to keep him. So it's a program that doesn't hurt the Packers. It's a really cool way for these young guys to come to the United States and try to make an NFL roster. We don't know much about Otomegwu at this point at all. We know that he reportedly was six foot five, 265 pounds. He runs a 4.840 with a 33-inch vertical. He was named the defensive MVP at NFL Africa Touchdown Camp in Ghana. But that's pretty much all we know. Uh, it's interesting to me. Like these, I don't know. It, it feels like these players were placed with the NFL organizations. Maybe that they didn't have a lot of say in it. But I would rather have a swing at a pass rusher like this guy then like I saw that like one of the teams in the NFL North or the NFL North, the NFC North got a tight end. And I'm like, okay, like I just feel like the odds of it panning out are probably better with like a pass rusher than like someone like a tight end or something like that. So really interesting, really fun. And a player, I think that the Packers are going to really have a lot of fun with pulling for the summer and throughout the preseason. Um, but we had a draft last weekend, Andrew, and we get to talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to get into the show a little bit today. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. But I know you were actually in Kansas City, and you and I have not had a chance to talk about the actual draft. Uh, so <laughs> I, I want to know, first of all, um, anything you know cool that you experienced while you were there? I know on Twitter I saw a picture of you with a certain Mr. Mel Kuyper. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, tell us all about that. Yeah, it was a really fun weekend, and I mean, I've never gotten to go to a draft before. It's kind of been a bucket list thing that I've always wanted to do. My best friend lives in Kansas City, so he said, you know, fly out, stay with me, and we'll we'll do the draft. So we stayed at his house on Thursday night. We just figured that, like, it might be kind of crazy to try to take in, like, the first-round experience if you weren't able to get close enough. Um, and so we were like, we just want to be able to know what's going on. So we stayed home, but Friday we went down there and it was awesome. Like you, you were a long ways away, but like they have the big projection screens, the speakers are massive. So you can totally, you know, take it in and know what's going on. The trades all come in just like they do on your TV and all that. So really cool experience. Um, and then Saturday we went back because we, we actually didn't know if we were going to, but after Friday we were like, let's just go back down. So nobody cares about Saturday. So we were like the only people there. Like, I mean, there was, there was other people there, but like we were at the beginning of the morning when they opened round four, we were under the canopy. So we were like 50 yards from the podium, like, you know, just cause no one else is there and you know, not, not really paying attention to day three. So that was a great experience. I mean, the NFL does it right. Like they set it up. It's a family experience. They've got like, you can run the 40 yard dash. There's like punt pass kick competitions. They bring in all the Kansas city barbecue vendors. And like, you know, it's just a really, really cool experience that they've figured out how this has become an attraction and not just, you know, a transactional like NFL teams acquiring their players. So really, really cool opportunity. You mentioned Mel Kiefer. Like I, I go to the airport and like I'm cheap, right? So I get the cheapest flight I can. So I'm like, no one is flying out with me. Like I'm, it's kind of on my radar that there are a lot of like, you know, high profile people in Kansas city right now, but I get to the airport at like three 45 in the morning. My friend was like going to kill me for making him. He lives like South city. Right. So it's like 45 minutes to the airport. So he drives me, drops me off at the airport at like three 45. And I I'm getting, I get in line for a coffee and breakfast burrito. And I look up and I'm like, 
I'm like 80% sure that that's Mel Kiper. Like, but I'm like, I got to wait for my coffee, my burrito. So I grab it and I'm like, I'm not going to stalk the guy, but like I saw him go down the B wing of the airport. So, you know, I just like, it's a big B wing, right? Like there, he could be anywhere, but I go in, he's sitting in the very first gate. So like, I'm like, okay, I'm like 90% sure that this is Mel, but I'm still like, there's a chance that I'm going to walk up to this guy and it's just another guy who has really bad hair and I'm going to embarrass myself, like thinking that he's Mel Kiper. So I just kind of like hover for a minute and I'm like, no, this is Mel. Like this is who this is. So I talked to him for a minute. I just, you know, said, Hey, and you know, we talked for a few minutes and just, you know, I didn't keep him very long cause like it's four in the morning and he's Mel Kiper. He doesn't want to talk to me, but yeah, he was really nice. And just, we talked about the Packers draft for a couple of minutes and I let him go, but I was like, that's crazy. Like Mel Kiper father of, you know, NFL draft flies out of the Kansas city airport at four in the morning, like, like everybody <laughs> else. So it was a cool experience and definitely a cherry on top to the whole experience. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. Um, and so my draft experience just on the surface level, we are closing on a house on of all days. The Thursday draft. Was the draft, right? Yeah. The, the biggest event in my my personal life, uh, crossing paths with yeah. a whole heck of a lot of other commitments that I have. And we had a little bit of a hang up and we were an hour away from where my podcasting equipment was. And it became very apparent very quickly that I wasn't going to make it back. And uh, to say that I was upset about it would probably be an <laughs> understatement. I was just, you know, like this... Uh, all all year, especially all off season, like we're building up to this, and we get the 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 honor, yeah, of talking about the first round, which you know obviously is is kind of the highlight of everything. And so uh, to not get to do that was a little disappointing. But you, like I said, I I listened the next day uh, as I was uh, moving some stuff, uh, and uh, I I really liked what you had to say, and uh, I've I've really appreciated all the draft coverage I've been able to to consume this week. Yeah, like I said we missed having you, but I I mean like we haven't gotten to connect this week. I think we both like I took work off last week to go to the draft, so like I've been swamped. And we just haven't connected at all. So, like, I, I'm genuinely curious. We're going to – we have a, a set agenda for the podcast today. But I do want to just hear, like, what did you think? Like, what what were your high-level, even low-level views? What what did you think of what Brian Gutekunst and the Packers did in the draft? I have a really important question. Do, a, do you want me to be – like, where on a scale of 0 to 10 do you want me to be? Like – like honesty wise or like yeah well i'm gonna be honest either way but like are am, am i getting crazy you can get crazy this is our show like this i'll try to not keep gonna kick us like, off fridays we've been here for a while i'll try to keep it to a six and a half here okay let's go six um and so overall i agree if 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 there is no context whatsoever i really like the packers draft class I posted probably on Sunday where I had all of the players ranked and I had a lot of the Packers, especially day three picks ranked pretty highly. I really liked Carrington Valentine. I really liked Dontavian Wicks. I really like obviously the tight ends, right? Musgrave and Kraft were my tight end three and tight end five. I thought Packers got great value there. I really liked the way they attacked that. Overall, I don't like this draft class oh. and it's not, it's not the players so much, Kyle, but like, what would you say is the one, one key issue the Packers are addressing this year? Not, not issue. Like what, what's the main goal of this team for the 2023 season? 
I believe that the goal of this season is to enable Jordan Love to perform at a level and a comfort level where you can determine if he's your long-term starter. I don't think you're if you I don't think you have illusions of being a playoff team that's going to go far. I think this is a learning year. Um, and not I wouldn't say a rebuilding year, but it's a year where you're evaluating. So putting players in position to help you do that evaluation, I think, is the goal. So what does that Absol- mean for you? <laughs> Absolutely. So like what I was going to say is assess Jordan Love. Yeah. Is he the franchise quarterback? And what the Packers have done since the draft is give themselves a two-year window in order to do that, which is great. But I would argue year one is going to be incredibly important in that. And so the Packers have a lot of decisions to make. And in order to do that, you have to properly assess your young quarterback. So what did they do? They draft an edge rusher in the first round. You 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 traded up to pick 13, right? Like this is this was apparently the holdup in the Aaron Rodgers deal, or at least the last domino that fell, is moving from 15 to 13. So why did you do that? You did that to jump the Patriots to draft Lucas Van Ness because you were so in love with him. I don't mind Lucas Van Ness as a draft pick, right? Like I had him rated as like a late first round pick. I can understand taking him at 13. The the upside is incredible. I do think it's a little overstated how simple people think that it is to develop players like him. Like he's just automatically going to be Rashawn Gary because Rashawn Gary worked out like that. There's a whole lot of people who have similar traits to Lucas Van Ness. And yes, he's a like really, really incredible top level athlete, but the NFL is littered with players who were that good and didn't necessarily pan out. And I'm not saying like, I think the the floor is relatively high for Lucas Van Ness because of the way he plays the game. But even so, like to expect that he's going to be a superstar, I think is a little like oversimplified mm-hmm. at this point. So you draft an edge rusher in the first round. You get Jordan Love, two tight ends, and I have already said I really like both those picks. I do. But what do we know about tight ends? They typically take a longer time to develop. Yeah. And so expecting a lot out of those two players in year one, I think, eh, might be, uh, again, over-expecting on your draft picks. And then the Packers drafted three wide receivers, you know, Jaden Reed, I, well, we're we're talking about the three wide receivers. That's the whole episode, so I'm not gonna like sure. do the show before the show. <laughs> but to expect rookie wide receivers, especially non first round pick rookie wide receivers, to contribute immediately is pretty tough, especially going into a room where they're learning from other young players. And so, here's my problem: <laughs> all the the like great young quarterbacks around the league, Joe Burrow. Bengals surrounded him with weapons. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, the Jaguars have tried. And, yeah, <laughs> and they're, have, yeah. they're continuing to add to that room. They spent a fortune on Christian Kirk, right? <clears throat> yeah, Draft Calvin Travis Ridley. Like, they made the effort yeah, to get they, Calvin Ridley. They've, they've now added him. They added Evan Ingram. Um, the uh, Justin Herbert with the Chargers. They already had two established veteran wide receivers. They had Austin Eckler. Now they're, you know, looking to add to that room even more uh, with another rookie wide receiver. Josh Allen, they went out and they got Stefan Diggs. Um, and, you know, they, they continue to add there. And I'm not saying the Packers aren't doing enough, but what scares me is in this year where it's so important to evaluate Jordan Love, what are the Packers relying on? Two rookie tight ends 
and we know how rookie tight ends historically have been. Maybe maybe they buck that trend, and that would be awesome. But I think expecting that is probably a little bit unrealistic. I think they're going to take a little bit more time to develop. The Packers have two young receivers, and I think the as Packer fans, we're quite frankly overestimating what they are. Do I think Christian Watson is a bona fide number one wide receiver in the NFL? I hope so. He looked like it at times. But there have been players in the past who have looked like they're going to take that next step, and then they 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 don't necessarily. Yeah. Romeo Dobbs, I have no idea what Romeo right. Dobbs. Right. Right. Like he's all sorts of promise, but again, he's a day three wide receiver, and yeah. I don't know that we can go into the season expecting that he is going to be like a really good number two in the league. So even if Christian Watson turns out to be as good as we think and hope, and remember, like, I loved Christian Watson last year. Like, loved. <laughs> even if he is that good, what happens if Christian Watson misses four weeks? Yeah. Now, yeah. Robio Dobbs is your number one receiver. You have two unproven tight ends, and, and teams are going to start stacking the box against Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and they're going to force Jordan Love to throw. And if his receivers can't uncover themselves, what's going to happen? He's going to start to develop bad traits. He's either going to hold the ball too long or he's going to force it into coverage. And those things tend to extrapolate over your career. And that's why I think so many young quarterbacks who aren't put into situations to succeed don't make it. And so I really would have liked to see the Packers invest even heavier into pass catchers than they did. Because you can look at this draft aggregately and say okay well they got two tight ends they got three wide receivers what more do you want but you have jackson smith and jigba sitting there who i would say is a professional route runner already do i do i know if he's going to be great no absolutely not but he's another option that you can throw out there they still could have done the same thing with tight ends and you know what edge rusher was a need and they got a good one but here's the thing does it matter if the Packers defense isn't quite as good as they need it to be this year? Probably not, because I don't think the expectation is that you're going to win right away and you could have drafted an edge rusher next year. Instead, we are potentially playing a very dangerous game with Jordan Love's development. So that's why I didn't love the draft, even if I love the players, right? Like it to me, from a roster building standpoint, it wasn't the path that I would have liked to see them go, um, even if I don't necessarily have a problem with the player, Lucas Vaness. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, that was a lot. I'm glad you're done. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm honestly really glad that you um, shared your honest thoughts on this because I think the Packers draft, for the most part, has received really high grades from most in in national media. Um, it's received some poor grades from people in, I wouldn't say national media, but um, people of, you know, ex- known exposure and things like that, but with with reasons to not like it. Like I was listening to someone who has ties to the Jets today and they were ripping on the Packers draft. And I was like, this is really annoying because they just want to hate the Packers, right? Like they don't want to say that we got good value with the pick. So, but for the most part, it's been very positive, but your, your spin is it's situational and it's context more than it is the actual selections that they make. So I can appreciate that. I'll just quickly, like I, we share a similar view of who Lucas Van Ness is. I think, I think I had a 79 or an 80. I might've bumped him to an 81 at the very end. Um, so for me, he was like a late one, early two kind yeah. of a prospect, but that was based on a film grade. And so I don't know what it did to for you and your, I don't have the way that you push that out to where you look at the big picture I would imagine he probably went up in your rankings. So for me, I can totally see why the Packers would make that investment at pick 13. Um, He was actually on my short list of players that if they don't take Jackson Smith and Jigba, I want this player. So I'm excited about the potential for him to be there, but I'm with you. Like I'm watching that draft live and like Jackson Smith and Jigba's on the board and you saw the, you saw it coming, right? Like you saw as soon as you knew that, Houston was out of the picture at 12 and you see Detroit there, you see Tennessee not take him like it's there for the taking. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm down like on my knees, like waiting for the, the pick to come in, like with my arms resting on my knees. And I just like fell forward. <laughs> like when, cause you're waiting for that Jeff at the beginning of the name and you're like Lucas Van Ness and you're like, Oh, they didn't do it. But the Packers told us in this draft exactly what they think of taking a wide receiver early in the draft especially a wide receiver who's projecting to play primarily in the slot. And I think that that's something that we probably just, we need to tuck that away and remember like that, at least for this organization and for this coaching staff is something that they probably devalued maybe at that point, but then they took a a slot in the second round. So it's just a little bit of an interesting process there. Um, For me, like I love the tight end selections and for me, like I'm with you that the development is going to take time and you can say like that was an error in what they're allowing for Jordan Love this year. But I think that's here or there. Like this is the situation that they found themselves in. What I loved about that, though, is that tight end was a strength of the draft class in a draft class that really wasn't that exciting in general, like outside of like maybe the top 15 players, there's a lot of players that you'd lump in that same group and they took the best players available because they happened to be tight ends. So like, I mean, I've listened to a few different people who like when they compare Trey McBride to Tucker Craft, who the Packers got in the third round, 
they think that Tucker Craft is a superior prospect to Trey McBride. So the Packers, like, I mean, in two years, like, they could have their hands full of talent at the tight end position, and we could really love that. But I think that what you're saying is true. Like, maybe Musgrave comes in as someone who can separate, and he's able to make an impact in in the receiving game a little bit faster. But I, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of a a delay in what you can expect out of this this draft class. But yeah, I like your context a lot. This is a good draft class filled with good players, but will it be the draft class that Jordan Love needs to take that next step? We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, in in an ideal situation, it 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 ends up benefiting the Packers anyways, right? Lucas Van Ness turns into, you know, he turns out a really solid rookie season. You see the development like you did with Gary towards the end of his rookie season. And then, you know, going forward, hey, we have two really good edge rushers. Our defense is starting to take shape. And, um, you know, including the the kind of big star pieces and, and nice rotational depth that the Packers have there, the defense starts playing better. You make Jordan Love more comfortable. He's not having to play from behind all the time. The running game gets clicking, and you have a healthy season where Watson and Dobbs start to like show the potential that they have. The rookies contribute, you know, something yeah. there, and all around, you know, everything looks really good. But if the wheels fall off, I just I, I worry about the the potential ramifications of that. Whereas you could have surrounded Jordan Love with a ton of top-notch talent right away and built yourself a little bit of insurance just in case things don't work out. And yeah, your defense isn't going to be as good, but maybe that's a problem for next offseason. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like they, they kind of played it halfway, and, mm. and I don't love half measures. So mm. um, that that's where my issue was. And again, you know, it doesn't matter because we move forward and we root for the players that are on the team. Mm-hmm. And that will yeah. be a good theme as we move forward into talking about these rookie wide receivers. <laughs> Let's do it. We do have a show uh, for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about these wide receivers. It's hard to believe that it's been a week already since draft weekend. It feels like a lot has happened between those selections and where we're at now. But the Packaday team has been taking a deep dive into this draft class, and we're taking a little bit of a different angle now. We want to talk about how these prospects fit, specifically with the Green Bay Packers. These players could have been drafted by any of the 32 NFL franchises, but they were selected by Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur with a specific fit and role in mind for this football team. And so today we're going to focus on wide receiver. Like uh, Andrew said, the Packers drafted three of them. So there's plenty to discuss. Let's uh, kick it off at the top with who everyone expected to be the Packers second round pick, Jaden Reed out of the University of, flip that, Michigan State University. You got it. There we go. Uh, So... Yeah, uh, of the three receivers the Packers drafted, I had Jaden Reed ranked third. Uh, and so that's really? probably, probably not going to be particularly popular. But Interesting. Uh, yeah, Reed was my wide receiver, 22 overall, 132. And this is what I thought of him. This is just my film analysis. He was really productive at Michigan State. I did not think he was a blazer. I thought he won with quickness and route running. And he's really good once he gets the ball in his hands and the Spartans created plenty of touches for him. He also is a returner. He's not big 
and he's not fast. So you're going to have to be a technician out of the slot and get some manufactured touches. And I know his testing sort of like counteracted what I just said. But we know testing isn't always how you play on the field. And and here's the way I'm going to go with this, Kyle. Okay. Anytime the Packers draft a player, whether I like them or not, I instantly like them. Right? <laughs> it, what, what my analysis was doesn't matter anymore. But I have learned a lesson from the Amari Rogers stuff because I did not like Amari Rogers. Mm. And a lot of people around Packers Twitter really liked Amari Rogers and they kind of let talked me into him. Mm. And so that doesn't mean I'm I, like, I don't, I want to be wrong. I, I don't care. Me being right does nothing for me. Mm. The Packers winning does something for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that Jaden Reed goes out and he ha- is the offensive rookie of the year. I, I just question his ability to make a, a immediate difference in this offense. So did you did you see that it's been reported that the Packers timed Jaden Reed at a four three seven? Like that's not his combine number or I think his pro day number. But I didn't hear this. Like I don't know like what interview this came from. But it's floating around there that like the general accepted thought is that the Packers timed him at a four three seven and like i feel like that's a pretty big discrepancy um from what the time time and maybe even the play speed i feel like he is like you said he's a quick player on film i don't know that you see maybe that kind of long speed but i just thought that was interesting yeah that's fascinating um and and his gps times at the senior bowl were really good too yeah yeah. so so this could be a misanalysis on my part it's just from what I saw of him on the field at Michigan yeah. State going up against Big Ten competition, yeah. he didn't look like he was markedly faster than his competition. Yeah, and I'm kind of mad, honestly, when I look at – when I when I go back to Jaden Reed because I watched Jaden Reed in the lead-up to the draft in a clump with other wide receivers, and I honestly kind of rushed the process on him because I liked him a lot. I was like, I like this player. And as a Michigan fan, I don't really pay attention to Michigan State a lot when, like, you know, except for when they play each other. Um, But I slapped a third-round grade on him and just kind of moved on because I didn't think that there was a chance that Green Bay was actually going to be interested just because he wasn't that elite tester as an athlete. He posted a 6.7 RAS, which isn't normally someone that they're going to touch. And he's a smaller guy, right? Like, there's a lot of reasons just to think, I don't need to spend a lot of time here. This is not going to happen. But the one thing that made me curious if the Packers could have interest in Reed, and I tweeted this out a few weeks before the draft, Reed started his college career at Western Michigan prior to transferring to Michigan State. His coach there at the time was Tim Lester, who the Packers just hired as a senior analyst this spring. So the Packers knew exactly who they were getting in Reed. They obviously felt strongly about it to take him at 50 but when it comes to fit with the Packers, I, I think you've got to love what Reed could bring to this offense. If we're projecting best case scenario, if he hits what this is, he's something different than what they have. And I'm so glad they weren't afraid to break the mold a little bit of the big framed wide receiver to get someone with a little bit more natural slot ability, someone who's going to contrast the players who run vertically. He's going to give you a little bit more horizontally. Uh, so what, Reed comes with that smaller frame than what the Green Bay Packers typically target. He does play bigger. He plays 
physical. Uh, I mentioned like he's got a little bit of an edge to him as a competitor. Uh, I think that that's something that the Packers are looking for as they restock this roster. So for the fit, I love that he brings something different to the table. I think he's going to bring that versatility. I think he's built to play this the, the natural slot position, but he also played primarily outside at Michigan State. So I think we'll see some creativity in getting him on the field. Um, I'm not going to name drop throughout the you know the rest of this episode, but um, I only talked to Mel Kiper for just a couple minutes there in the airport. But the one nugget that he threw out there that I thought was super interesting about the Packers draft class is that he didn't think Green Bay reached for Jaden Reed. He said that really he didn't think that the draft media and draft Twitter really ever caught up with how much Reed's stock climbed at the Senior Bowl. He said the NFL teams were really taken by him and Mobile. And so it was just interesting to hear Kuiper say that and that Green Bay knew Reed wasn't going to be there at pick 78. So he thought they did the smart thing and traded down twice, got some value, but then still took their guy before another team had the chance uh, to get him and, and they lost their chance to get him. Yeah, that's really, really interesting you know, I, I think context to the situation. And I just, out of curiosity, went to mockdraftable.com just to see who are who are the direct comparisons to Jaden Reed. And yeah. there's, there's obviously a bunch of players that nobody remembers, but uh, some, some that people definitely do. D.D. Westbrook, Yikes. John Mechie, which we don't know sure, how his yeah, career is going to turn out. Uh, Bessley, it sounds like he's back. That's really great news. Kenny Stills. KJ Hamler, but also Jalen Waddell. And so like All there, right, let's go. There's, there's some really interesting yeah, yeah. Uh, dynamics in there. Some players who didn't work out that well. Um and and some who did, some who were just solid. And I, I think, yeah. you know, if he's a solid, you know, seven year pro, that's well worth a, a second round yeah. pick. So some some interesting things there. The the Packers did end up going back to the wide receiver well and drafting Dontavian Wicks out of the University of Virginia. Um, and full credit to you, Kyle. You asked us outright in the wide receiver preview ex- episode. We weren't going to talk about Wicks, and you brought him up out of the blue and asked Maggie and myself what we thought. And I really liked Dontavian Wicks. I had him as wide receiver 14, overall 108. I thought he was a physical receiver as the build and game maturity for the NFL. He's good on deep routes. Um, he's an outside receiver, which there weren't a whole lot of in this year's draft class. He plays hard and will out physical, um, both getting the ball and blocking. He's got a nice ability to get off press coverage. There were too many drops and he definitely wasn't productive in 2022 by time. But by this point, you've all heard the Virginia offense was utter and complete garbage (laughs) for 2022, uh, for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, and he, He's not necessarily like the most dynamic athlete, but I think he can play special teams. I think he can block. I think as his route running develops um, and he gets a little bit more consistent with his hands, he could be a really, really good depth receiver with the ceiling that he could potentially be like a solid uh, starter. And I think, you know, you you take a look at Romeo Dobbs and I, I think Wicks is the kind of guy who could you know, push him for some reps early on and, and eventually be in competition as kind of like, you know, a 2A, 2B kind of wide receiver duo. Yeah, it's interesting. I think people forget how late Dobbs was taken last year just because he did more than what you would expect a player that late to do in his rookie year. And so that's probably like maybe adding to some like unfair expectations that we put on some of these players because 
because that's not normal, right? You can't always just take those fourth, fifth round receivers and expect them to, to step in. But uh, with Wicks, you love the size. You love the movement at that size. Like you said, he's someone who can certainly play outside. Uh, he played the majority of his snaps outside in college. But he's a naturally explosive player who can be an acrobat at the catch point. Andrew mentioned that his 2021 tape is much better than his 2022. He had a dominant receiving grade from PFF in 2021, like one of the best in college football. And then 2022 happened, and you said the reasons are numerous why that could have been. So clearly the Packers are leaning heavily on that 2021 version and hoping he can bring that to Green Bay. The fit with the Packers is probably, like you said, someone can challenge Romeo Dobbs for wide receiver three, wide receiver four, right in that range. But his ceiling is a lot higher than what you might think for someone drafted in the fifth round. I think he's I think he's going to look really, really good wearing that number 13, too. I, they've showed like the players getting to their locker today, and I think the 13 is the one that popped the most. And obviously, that's the analyst, you know, the analysis that everybody wants is what who looks best in their jersey. But 13, I, th- I think Wicks is going to rock it out there. Yeah, that's Chris Jackie's old number. And, you know, good riddance to Chris Jackie. <laughs> I appreciate That's that. only 13, right, that people are talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's the only 13 we could possibly be talking about on the show. What, what about Grant DuBose? You want to talk about him? I do. Okay, let's talk about Grant DuBose. The Packers weren't done they like to do this when they pick receivers. They like to take three of them. Uh, Grant DuBose from Charlotte is a really fun player. He's a physical player, 6'2", only 201 pounds, though, but he plays like he's 220. And some receivers, they win early in their routes with release or they create separation as they're running their routes. Other guys like DuBose win late in the route and at the catch point. Uh, he's someone who's absolutely going to come down with the ball in traffic. 50-50 balls are just kind of his thing. He's that true alpha at the catch point. Now, DuBose can struggle with uh, press coverage. There's a reason that this guy is someone that's going this late in the draft. He needs to develop his release package to help with that. I don't know if maybe the Packers would move him inside into the slot to like help with that a little bit, that being one of the biggest issues in his game. But it's interesting. He spent almost all of his time on the outside in college. So, 15% of his snaps in the slot is not, you know, it's not somewhere he's been. So that would be a big change for him. But, of course, the Packers selected him in the seventh round of the draft. This is a player that several in the media world were expecting to go higher than he did. Dame Brugler thought he could go in the fifth or the sixth round. So getting him in the seventh is a really good value. Uh, but DuBose is an interesting fit with the Packers. He's probably going to battle with Samuari Toure and Bo Melton for that final spot in the wide receiver room. Uh, but DuBose has a lot to contribute potentially. He's a really interesting athletic profile. He ran a 4.57 at the combine. So speed isn't his dominant trait, but four fives is plenty fast if you win in other ways. You just got to put it all together. Uh, but overall, he's an 8.79 RAS athlete. He's, you know, he had a really decent three cone time as well. Familiar with special teams. He returned punts in 2022 and also served as the gunner on punt coverage. So some uh, diverse usage potentially in his future. But this is a player that I think is really easy to root for. I think fans are going to love this guy. He started at Miles College in Alabama, ended up at Charlotte after a COVID year break. So just some, you know, disruption in his path to the NFL. Had intentions of continuing his college career this coming year. Um, He wanted to enter the transfer portal, go to a different school, try to get his name on the map a little bit more. But instead decided, you know what, I'm ready. I'm just going to make it, you know, make the leap to the NFL. Now he finds himself with the Packers. 
wearing number 86. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Maybe choosing 86 is probably his biggest mistake to this point, I would say. Donna Lee's old number. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do we have any good 86s? To Antonio like? Freeman. There you go. But, All right. Saved it. But even Antonio Freeman didn't look cool in 86. And Antonio Freeman was a cool dude. Just, yeah, that's, that's true. That's not a, not a good number. Yeah. He, he rocked 86 in spite of 86. I would it's say. like everybody kind of looks like Todd Heap when they're wearing, yeah, wearing 86. Yikes. So here here's something. And, and so, you know, you heard me whining about potentially the Packers' limits at the top of their wide receiver depth chart, but they have a very deep depth chart. And I think mm-hmm. that they're going to have run out six, seven NFL quality kind of guys. And one concern that I have is that in the preseason – if the Packers don't add a veteran quarterback, how are they going to, you know, play into the third and fourth quarter and really showcase these guys' skills and and help them to develop? So um, that is something to watch out for. And that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. That's, that's a big deal. Maybe uh, Kirk Benkert needs a little bit of a, a phone call or something. I don't know. That's crazy. <laughs> so, get get somebody in there. Uh, and so Dubose, I had him at wide receiver 21 overall, 131. And that's pretty funny because Jaden Reed was 132. So I literally had Dubose one spot ahead of Jaden mm-hmm. Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I thought, you know, good size, catching ability. He's a, I thought he was kind of a limited athlete. You talked about it. Four, four five, seven uh, is right around where I, what I would have thought that he would run. Um, he runs nice routes, catches the ball away from his frame. You talked about that contested catching ability. I thought he had really strong hands. That's something that that is going to work in his favor big time. Uh, corners were able to stick with him. So he, you know, is he going to be able to be a separator? Probably not. So he's going to have to be a really good contested catch guy. I think, you know, there's reasons to be optimistic for the development that can come out of a prospect like DuBose. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is a seventh rounder for a reason. So I think, you know, he's he's a guy you could see lighting the world on fire in camp and in, in the preseason and getting a shot to yeah. you know, maybe be on the active roster, maybe inactive a little bit and get a shot later on in the season. He could also be a guy that ends up on the practice squad. We will find out. I really like mm-hmm. his energy, his mentality, uh, constantly telling corners how short they are. Uh, oh, all, fun. All of, all of those things are very fun on tape. Um, so that's that's where we are. You know, just to kind of wrap this up, Kyle, how do you see this Packers depth chart at wide receiver playing out with the three rookies? Like uh, we we think Watson, Dobbs, one, two. Where do you think Reed, DeBose, and Wicks fall in the line there? So it's really interesting. Like you said that like you're not as high on Reed and. Like I said, I'm not going to pretend that I graded him like super high. And I, I wish that I could go back and honestly assess, like if I had spent more time, would I have given him a little bit more of a, more of a chance. Um, but the Packers took him at 50 in the NFL draft. They didn't take Romeo Dobbs at 50 in the NFL draft. So I'm really curious to see, like, do the Packers plan to feature Jaden Reed? Do they have a very clear plan for him to become like, the second or third option, I think a tight end eventually ascends into that range of like maybe the third option. But like, is there is there become like a pecking order of Watson and Reed and like Musgrave more so? And 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 Dobbs becomes that guy who's like he's he's a good player, but he kind of falls back into what you thought he was when he was taken later in the draft and he wasn't a day one or day two pick. 
I just think that's really interesting. Like if you if you think that Jaden Reed is your fourth or fifth passing option, do you spend 50 on him? And if the answer to that is yes, like that's what you think, that he's that role player, then I think you really misassess the value of taking him in the second round. The alternative is that they think that this is a special player that's going to have a big impact on the offense. And so that's what gets me excited. Like if you lean in as a fan and you're like, this is what could happen, then I feel like you have to kind of leave the opportunity open for Jaden Reed to really become someone who stirs the drink in this offense for the next, you know, four or five years. Yeah. And, and who, who really knows how the Packers are going to utilize two rookie tight ends. I think that that's a fair point. Maybe they come in and they're really mature and and the Packers feel like they can give them significant snaps from the get go. And you have Tucker craft, maybe a little bit more in line and you're going to flex out Musgrave. And so you're really only playing two wide receivers at a time and Reed and Dobbs to your point are maybe, you know, rotating in and out. We know that, that uh, Matt LaFleur loves rotating his receivers. Even Devontae Adams was getting yeah, rotated yeah. out. So, um, you know, that that could be a case. I think he can do some fun stuff with with Reed, some of the jet motion that they want to do. I think you can you can get pretty creative with a guy with that skill set. And then the, the other two, you know, you hope that they, they are able to make the active roster, that they're mm-hmm. able to suit up when you need them to. You you talked about some special teams ability there, and I think that's going to be really important in both Dubose and Wicks making the active roster is the ability to play there, um, and you know competing with Samari Toure for for some snaps as a depth kind of player. So a lot of a lot of really really interesting things, um, a lot of fascinating storylines already, and we aren't even to June yet. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Stick with us. I know these can kind of be the doldrums of the offseason, but uh, there is a lot of exciting stuff, and we will be back next week uh, probably talking a little bit more about the draft and maybe what some other teams around the league did. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find me at Andrew Mertig. Make sure you go out and check out Maggie as well, at Maggie J. Loney. Uh, we will all be back next week. And we will be talking more NFL offseason. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, remember. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.